In today's episode, I'm going to interview my friend and colleague, Biz Kush, about what it's like to be something called a highly sensitive person. 20% of the population is characterized as a highly sensitive person. These people tend to be really sensitive to sounds, smells, tastes, light, fabrics, touch. They often are also sensitive to emotions. And they've been told throughout their life that they're too sensitive or they're being too dramatic. They also are people who tend to withdraw when they need to decompress from the world, when things just get to be a bit overwhelming. If this sounds like you or someone you love, then this episode is for you. I think you're going to learn a lot from this wonderful interview with Biz Kush, because she is an expert in this area, and she's also a highly sensitive person. Are you ready to cut through the BS and get down to the truth about love and sex? Well, welcome to the Great Sex Podcast. I'm Dr. Heather England, and I'm a certified sex therapist and a relationship expert. I want to answer your burning questions about love and sex, and I really want to empower you to dramatically improve your love and sex life. Today, I am so excited to be here with my colleague and friend, Biz Kush, and I'm going to read her bio to you. Biz is a women's life coach for highly sensitive women, a licensed clinical professional counselor, and a business owner. She's also the host of Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. She incorporates the body, mind, and spirit into her work. As a life coach, she helps sensitive women in midlife who feel stressed and overwhelmed find balance, flow, and ease to fully enjoy the beautiful life they've created. Oh, I love your bio. Oh, I, thanks. That's fabulous. <laughs> oh, so welcome, you. Biz. I'm so excited you're here today. I'm excited to be here with you, Heather. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I have so been looking forward to this, and I really appreciate you being a guest. Yeah. I'm really curious, what got you to this place? Like, What journey brought you to be a life coach? Well, it's um was not a sort of traditional uh, linear path. I started my journey in college as most people do, at, you know, at 18 year old and for a lot of reasons not ready to complete that journey at that time. So, went back to school when my youngest who is now 26, 20 soon to be 27, when my youngest started preschool. So uh, I went back to school, finished my undergraduate degree, and throughout that time did a lot of odd jobs. You know, I've worked in restaurants, I've worked in a hospital, I've done a whole lot of a big variety of things. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, when I was ready, so raising kids, I really got interested in child psychology. I wanted to be sure that I was, I was raising children in a psychologically healthy way, because I mm -hmm. felt like I had had a lot of things that I missed out on growing mm -hmm. up because my parents were just were raised the way they were raised and, you know, mm -hmm. didn't always necessarily mm -hmm. give me what I needed. So, yeah, so I started that journey on my own through self-help books and then decided to 
focus on that when I did go back for my undergrad degree. So I got a degree in psychology and knew I wanted to go on to be a therapist. But at that time when I was ready, I had two kids in college. So that my <laughs> children were old enough where we were paying for their college education and it was not uh, financially feasible for me to be in college too. So when my youngest graduated, wow. yeah, so yes. <laughs> so when my youngest graduated from high school, I started college with him when he went back to school. So, or when he went to college. So I was able to finish my undergrad degree when I was 53 years old wow. and started my private therapy practice. So, yeah. So it's been... I did not know that. And I have so much admiration for you. <laughs> it's, it, it's really hard when you are a non-traditional student and yes. to get college done and to balance that with being a mom, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's really tough. And yeah. it's hard to go back to school later in life because I know I did that for my grad degree and holy cow, your brain just works differently as you get older. It definitely does. And the program I was in was like a small cohort. And so we all... I ended up doing it over three years, but most of them, you know, the cohorts were two-year programs and they were all, most of them were a bunch of kids, you know, <laughs> they were they were 20 years old yep. and, you know, maybe parents were paying for it, but yeah. yes, my level of dedication was, uh, for some of them, mine was very different, you know, yeah. that I was really yeah. dedicated wow. to get it I, done. Well, that takes a lot of persistence, you know, and dedication. Yes. So today we are here to talk about highly sensitive people. And mm -hmm. I had not ever heard that term until several years ago. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to describe what a highly sensitive person is for the audience. Yeah. So high, high sensitivity is actually a, a trait. It is something that those who are highly sensitive are just gen genetically predisposed to. And apparently, according to Elaine Aaron, who has done most of the research, 20% of the population is highly sensitive. And that goes across all cultures across the world. That's um, a large number. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. 20%, right? <laughs> and I honestly didn't know that much about it until uh, I was probably... Uh, late 40s, I would say, you know, really recognizing that some of the things that I attributed in myself, being a highly sensitive person to anxiety and being an introvert, actually were really about me being highly sensitive, that huh. I like a lot of alone time, I need downtime, I get overwhelmed easily in crowds and loud in loud environments. But so highly sensitive people are their sensory processing is different. There is something that's different in their brains, which I don't know all the technical sciencey stuff about it, but there is something different in how they process sensory information. So noises, smells, tastes, touch, and, and also emotional sensory information too. So we feel very deeply. We prefer deep connection versus small talk. We process things differently. Like, so... It may take me a while if we had had a conversation about something, I don't know, maybe controversial or stimulating. It may take me a while to 
process that information and then come back to you with my thoughts and feelings about it because that's what high sensitivity is all about, right? So we're deep processors, but also what's lovely about it is we're highly empathic. We just feel deeply about a lot of Mm. things. So being in nature can just, or being around animals can just give you so much satisfaction and joy Mm. that it's really like almost like an emotional experience. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it impacts a lot of of different parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. And to be able to, I feel like embrace the strengths of it, you know, that yes, it can be hard. And I know personally, I get overwhelmed very easily, but knowing that about myself, I know what I need to do to minimize Mm -hmm. that so that I don't. Hmm. So how does, how does someone know if they're a highly sensitive person? Are there Tests they take. I I think you put together a quiz, right? I do. I have a quiz on my website and you can do probably a more scientific quiz. You go to, I think it's HSP, might be hsperson.org, but Elaine Aaron is the founder of her. And she's not a founder of highly sensitive people, but she's the one who has done a lot of the research. And so there is a quiz on her website and also tons of free information on highly sensitive people, but I would well, say we'll include the link to her in the show notes, but we'll also include the link to your, to your quiz, you know, awesome. and to your website. I've done yeah. your quiz. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But I guess if you were a person who grew up hearing you're too sensitive you're too emotional, mm-hmm. don't take things so personally. Mm. Like if you, or also felt pressured to mm. sort of overcommit yourself to kind of overcome this feeling of wanting to sort of be by yourself, mm-hmm. you may be highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think this is fascinating. And especially it's- that there's 20% of the population that, that yeah. is like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, I always, like I said, I sort of attributed my sensitivity to being an introvert, mm-hmm. but you can be highly sensitive and an extrovert too. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's, you know, it's not just, you know, people like me who really need a lot of alone time. You can be someone who loves being around in great crowds and people, but also need that mm-hmm. recharge time to reset. Yeah. Yeah. That is really interesting. So it's making me be really curious about how being an HSP impacts people's relationships. Yes. Well, hugely, I would say, especially, well, not even especially, you know, if you're in a relationship where the other person isn't highly sensitive, it can create some conflict, right? Mm -hmm. So if you say, Mm -hmm. I was married to someone who was highly extroverted, loved being out in groups, going to parties, going to bars, whatever it is, big crowd of places. And that overwhelmed me and made me feel anxious and stressed and Mm -hmm. like it could create conflict there. Mm -hmm. I think too, with intimacy though, too, that if you crave that deep connection of being seen and heard and and really listening and having those like deep in-depth conversations and your partner's not there with you. They're just like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't get why you're being all you know emotional about this. That can create a lot of disconnection in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, understanding yourself 
and what you need to be able to communicate that with your partner is really important. Yeah. I'm wondering as someone who is an HSP, if your need for connection and closeness to even feel any type of desire for sexual intimacy is heightened, you know, as an HSP. Yes. And I think that that is particularly true. Yes. For highly sensitive people is just needing to feel intimately connected with your partner before there is, you know, the sex. So like they may need more time to get aroused. They may need more time to really feel in the moment. And interestingly, I was doing a little research before our conversation, something, another therapist who'd written an article on this, like that there, we can be easily distracted. So like if I, you know, am in the middle of having intimate relations with my husband and somebody rings the doorbell and the dog starts to bark, like that might take me out of the moment completely where it's very hard to come back. And I know that's true for other people too, but I think in particular for highly Hmm. sensitive people, it can happen in a much more deeply personal way where like suddenly they're just not present anymore. Um, But for me too, myself, like I am super sensitive to sound and noise and Mm. smell. And Mm -hmm. so if there's some sensory input that's not jiving with where I am in the moment, like that can kind of take me out. So yeah, yeah. So it can impact it in a lot of different ways, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting here even before you said that thinking about smell being such a big thing sexually for people. And I would imagine cleanliness uh, Mm -hmm. for your partner is Mm -hmm. probably extra important if smells are a thing you're, you're really sensitive sensitive. to. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Or cologne. Yeah. But like texture, like, um, Mm. you know, the fabric of the sheets or, you Mm. know, if you're, you're actually having sex or if you're with your partner and they're wearing a super scratchy sweater or something, Mm. you know, that the, just the physical closeness might feel harder for Mm. you. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine touch would, you'd have to really have a lot of communication about what type of touch feels good Versus what type of touch is overwhelming is just too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I hadn't really thought about this, but you know, for me, yeah, touch like as a highly sensitive person can be beautiful and, and wonderful, but it Mm -hmm. can also be jarring and painful, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it can be very intense if I'm not prepared for it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it can also be amazing, right? Like because the Mm -hmm. intimacy is so important and connection is so important, it can be sort of a a building block for intimacy within the relationship to really build something beautiful. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you describe that, that is what sexual intimacy should be, right? It should be something that is connected and beautiful and you feel like you're, you know, you're with your partner in a special place. I always say sex is not a thing we do. 
but it's a place we go to with our partner that's unique mm-hmm. just to our own experience with them because no one else is ever going to have that experience that you have with your partner. Hmm. That's really nice. I like that. Yeah. It's kind of beautiful when you think about it that way, you yeah. know? So do you know from a neurodiversity standpoint, if there are overlaps between HSP and ADHD, and what is that diagnosis? A sensory processing disorder? I don't know that, but it's interesting because I have, you know, as I've gotten to know both clients and friends and talked to colleagues about it, that yeah, it does feel like there are overlaps and connections between neurodiversity and high sensitivity for sure. Yeah. 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 Or no, just I reading emotional your, clues and yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your humility and being able to say, no, I, I don't know because I'm sitting here. I don't know either. And I wonder about that. I wonder what percentage of HSPs also have ADHD, Yeah, you know, diagnosable ADHD. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wish yeah. I knew the answer, but I don't. <laughs> oh, that's okay. You know, when you describe distraction, distraction mm-hmm. for especially women during sex is one of the things that just takes them out of the that, zone. <laughs> that slow, long, arousing road we take. It's like being on a roller coaster at the uphill, right? <laughs> and something distracts you, and man, you're out of it. And oh, it's exactly. not like you can get right back to it. it. It takes a while to get back to that place again. Totally. And and I totally. think learning to be mindful would probably be something that would be very helpful. Yes. Yes. You know, being mindful and yes, learning to stay present. Mm-hmm. I think bringing humor to it too can be helpful <laughs> because... You know, it can feel difficult, but also, you know, we can get distracted. Well, I feel like as women, we're, whether you're highly sensitive or not, you're also highly attuned to, you know, because if you've raised children or even if you own animals, like you're always listening for the cues of somebody that might need something, right? <laughs> Besides yourself. And yeah. So that makes me wonder if, you're so dialed into your partner Mm -hmm. and their needs. If highly sensitive women might tend to say yes to sex when they really want to say no. Yeah. To have sex when they're really not into it. And the other side of that is too, so tuned into their partner where if they're picking up that the partner is disconnected Mm -hmm. because they're so emotionally in tune, that might bring them out of their space of arousal or or intimacy where they're like, oh, what's happening for them? Are they not here? Are they not? Are they thinking of something else? Am I not enough that they're aroused because of me? Like, yeah, so it can. Yeah, yeah. that would be a hard stop on sex. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So what would you recommend that partners of someone who is an HSP, like how can they support their partner that's an HSP? Like what are, and I don't mean just sexually, but even non-sexually, like Mm. what can partners do? How can they be the best partner? Yeah, that's such a nice question. I think that, you know, 
being curious, asking questions, getting to know what it means for that person, because I do think it shows up differently. It's not like here you have these six traits and that's who you are. I think your sensitivity can vary in a range across different your different senses. So yeah, just getting to know the partner and especially with intimacy and touch, making sure you're both on board and have mm-hmm. you have consent for whatever is coming next. Yeah. I would imagine communication has to be a big part of that too, that you have to be able to talk about all the stuff, right? The the easy stuff and the difficult stuff, because sex is hard to talk about. Yes, absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, I think this has been really fascinating. And one of the things I love about you is I can see the joy you get from your family Mm. with your three sons and how supportive you are of their endeavors. Mm. And you've talked about your husband in a way that I can tell you have a really close relationship and you've been together a long time. So what do you think has kept you together in a thriving and happy relationship What's a tip that you would give to other people based on your experience? We, my tip would be, well, one, the reality is it hasn't always been easy and easygoing. We've had, you know, raising kids is, is creates stresses on its own and, and it can create disconnection. So in this later part of our lives, we've really worked hard to reconnect to, you know, the friendship that we built before we got married, before we had children. And so we've really worked hard to bring that back into our relationships or travel and dinners out and, you know, time together where we have fun. That sounds great. Oh, well, this has been awesome. And I so appreciate you coming on the podcast and recording and sharing all this great information about highly sensitive people. And I hope that People who are listeners will check out your website, check out the show notes for the other resource that you mentioned, because it sounds like there's probably a lot of people out there that really need to know this information because this may be impacting their lives in ways they didn't even realize. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. If after listening to today's episode, you want to learn more about being an HSP because you think you or someone you love might be an HSP, then I encourage you to check out the links in the show notes and look at business site or look at the site she mentioned called the highly sensitive person. And hey there, I'd really love to continue to grow the podcast audience. So if you haven't already, if you want to subscribe, that would be super. And if you really like the podcast and want to recommend it to your friend group, that would be very helpful. So we can continue to grow the podcast so I can keep putting out helpful content. And speaking of content, if you've got any ideas on topics or questions that you really would love for me to cover, then I've got a form on my website that you can fill out and submit it. It's at www.lovefilledlife.com forward slash ask hyphen Heather. And that's all I have for today. So thanks so much for listening. 
And until next time, take good care of yourself. And remember, life's too short for bad sex.